Welcome to episode 85 of the Bloke Pod, and I'm joined once again by the man who found out that Kokonakis banged his girlfriend, Action Jackson. <sighs> Was it good for him too? <laughs> now, this is, this so is so nice of Nick Kyrgios to, you know, tell the whole world about that. It was about as nice as it was of Kokonakis to manage to take a whole six games off Andy Murray in the Davis Cup last night. Maybe you should have banged Murray's girlfriend instead. But be his wife. That would be his <laughs> that wife too. Yeah. Or maybe his wife. Parental and his content. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Maybe his wife and his girlfriend. Maybe get a two for one. That's right. So. Well, this is a big episode because we have finally reached the year of my birth. <laughs> So there it is. So every episode number from now, as opposed to the old, uh, oh, which sportsman wears that number? Let's tie it back to them. Will now become, oh, yeah, what year was this? What happened that year? That sort of yeah. thing. So the first, the first, 1985, the first song that made the iPod for hell, Wake Me Up Before You Go Go. God damn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think it's fair to say the only good things to come out of 1985 with Timbo and myself. <laughs> I'm still reserving judgment on that. Oh, at least 50% of that. <laughs> so, there's been a bit of, bit happened since we, uh, since we last uh, sat down and did a recording. Most of it's because I've been coughing frantically. Yeah, we, uh, we must apologise to those uh, listeners who are disappointed to hear that the um, much-vaunted bloke pot on tour was uh, yes. subsequently canned, but... Quite frankly, you know, short of bringing the recorder into a tuberculosis ward and just pressing record, that was pretty much what was the, the what the experience was going to be like for them. It was certainly what the experience was like for GJ's co-travellers on our yes. trip to Melbourne. Um, yeah, you could say you were a little under the weather. You, yeah. you were about as uh, yeah. under the weather as Collingwood were was, that weekend. I, yeah, it was, the weather in Melbourne was surprisingly nice, so I couldn't say I was... Uh, you, I was yeah, expecting no Melbourne, yeah. Yeah. expecting, you know, to say, I, I, I wanted to say, you know, I was under the weather, which was, you know, part of the course being in Melbourne, but uh, sunshine pretty much the whole weekend. And, uh, Certainly not. I became, I became very familiar with the four walls of the apartment that we were staying in, unfortunately, but... Uh, yes, Although, yeah, and, there, was, there was one infamous night where you... Uh, Suddenly, I uh, had the need to go the big vom, <laughs> as yeah. the rest of us were sitting out there watching telly. And you made the mistake as you were sort of dashing to the bowl, so pu- pushing the door closed behind you, and then not realising that it sort of hit the latch and then bounced back open. So yeah, yeah we got treated to a uh, front row seat to that uh, <laughs> rather magnificent display. It was like a bit like the old uh, Jerry Seinfeld. Oh, that guy's bringing up a lung over there. <laughs> yeah. It felt like it. Can't listen. Oh, I can't listen to this. <laughs> so, I mean, those days are well past. Me, so, yeah, anyway, unfortunately, so you, you, you the cough still be, remains. But you shouldn't be, um, yeah, criticising us for not for following through on the uh, yeah. bloke put on tour promise. Because trust me, you're better off not hearing that. Yeah, yeah. Shades so. of the old uh, tissues uh, iPod for hell that time. The phlegm factor going on there. Yeah, this so, still. I think then culminated in the bag man using the tissues for something quite different. <laughs> Watching um Jennifer Lopez on YouTube. <laughs> Let's, yeah. Watching it on mute, the Dan Jackson special. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, we are back at our home yeah. base. So uh, um, I believe there's been another Adam Goods booing incident. James Hurd got fired. Yes. Uh, Sorry, like, I was. Uh, well, I'm just going to stop you right there. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to let you finish, yeah. but that was the greatest firing of all time. <laughs> of all time! And on a related note, there is now oh, a picture on. of James Hurd crying on my wall at work. How good, it, how good was that other picture that I sent you, though? Where he looked like he was walking the, down to the gallows. As it turned out, he was. Yeah. And the, Not there's, a guy, the truth. there's a guy wearing a GWS. We, we probably need to post the picture. Yeah. It's, it's a bit difficult to describe. There's, there's so, so much going yeah, that's on right. in that picture. It's, it's just like, it's so dense, the level of detail. Yeah. There's like at least four different subplots going yeah. on there. So, but yeah, there've been a few um, good. We really need to release some sort of a coffee table book, I reckon, of the James Heard saga with a few of these pictures because there was that original, um, the judge, the herd, and the dude picture yeah. on Twitter, which you um, 
<laughs> insinuated was potentially slobo going undercover <laughs> to get the latest expose on the story. I no, realise, to... of course, that slobo doesn't need to go undercover for those exposes. Well, he does. He needs to go <laughs> under the covers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he has to work hard for those stories. <laughs> yeah. Let me it's, tell you. James... Insert third sexual pun gonna... here. Because <laughs> James well and truly worked hard. God. He also works blue. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Blue balls. <laughs> yeah, that's right. yeah, so, the Carlton Football Club dislike this <laughs> association. Of course, well, they yeah, yeah, they yeah. Uh, they hired one of your assistants, Brendan Bolton, as well during that yeah, time. Yeah, yep. The bolt from the blue. Yeah, the bolt I mean, to the blue now. Not but, um, good luck to him. I mean, the, the yeah, um, yeah the, uh, Brendan, make sure it's a long contract. Yeah, you know? <laughs> I think the uh, the Alistair Clarkson stable who's. Gaining quite a bit of credibility at the moment. Um, yeah, helps when uh, with uh, Simo doing his uh, yeah. quality work at the Eagles. Yeah, and well Simo, Phil Walsh, Bolton. There's a, a, another name in there. Oh, Leon Cameron. No, Walsh was Walsh wasn't a Choco. Uh, Walsh was a Choco but one. They, but no, but they worked together. They worked. They, to, yeah, they did work together at Port. Yeah. Yeah. And then you got yeah. you got Cameron, you got Damien Hardwick as well. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, so we were watching under Clark. Let's just say that the Alistair Clarkson tree has proven to be far and away more fruitful than the Mick Malthouse tree. Oh, God. Yeah. Which has uh, brought us such Sometimes. luminaries as Brad Scott, Mark Mule. <laughs> Time to start pruning some branches off that that particular um, Nathan Buckley, of course, tree. falling under that tree as well. Yeah, if, if that's what you Falling being the operative word. Falling and then severing it at the, <laughs> at the trunk. So, look, it's about fucking time, you know, 24 months too late. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to say it was worried. worth the wait, but it was pretty awesome to see him crying the crocodile tears in the press conference. You know, I've yeah. got to admit, I was... I also a little uh, bit of wee in my pants. Another twenty twenty. It's also how much money it's cost them yeah. to uh, to do that. When you take into account yeah. all the appeals, the two million dollar paid vacation on oh, the AFL with its world leading drugs policy. Oh, please. <laughs> and for those playing the drinking game at home, yep, that's one there. AFL yeah. and world leading used in the same sentence. It's a, a shout out to I was Andy just D. Say, it's, it's double drinks for cynicism, <laughs> isn't it though? <laughs> Yeah. Double shots, You'd isn't, hope that the, so. isn't that the game? Yeah. So uh, yeah, but no, it was it was good to see this finally happen. I mean, the the bit that did have me laughing hysterically, rolling in the aisles, was the uh, comment, and I think I sent it around to you and Timbo and a few of the other guys afterwards, which was like, I'm I'm hesitant to leave the club at this time because I think these players really need. Um, Strong guidance and leadership, and someone who really cares for them right now. So yeah. I think I forwarded that along to you guys with a dot dot dot. Says the cunt who injected them with illegal drugs in the first place. That they still don't know what they are. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We I mean, we don't know what they are, but we know they're not harmful. Yeah. What? Oh, for for me, the yeah. the biggest story of this whole saga could break. 15 to 20 years from now, when a yeah. few of these players start developing cancer-like symptoms and yeah. they're asked by their doctors, all right, so w- we need to know what you took so we can work out, you know, what this is and how to treat... Oh, uh, we don't know, apparently. Yeah. Oh, they were... They were, they were, they were vitamins. vitamins. Yes. Yeah. Mark McVeigh approves this <laughs> message. Yeah. Yeah. So, vitamins the whole thing, McVeigh. I mean, in the long and checkered history of the AFL, a... a a league which is all too familiar with the term farcical situation, this this stands alone as the single biggest failing of the league mm. in any way, shape or form to uphold the integrity of the competition and I, also enforce I, the you know, the whole drugs in sport. Can I, can I call out there, one yeah. other party here? The AFL Players Association have been piss weak throughout this entire thing. Mm. Surely it's in their best interest to find out what the hell happened to these uh, but players. But what do you expect, mate? It's a, it's a body with the, the three letters AFL in its name, so mm. you can't exactly be expecting them to, to really go go all in on something like this, can you? There's, there's yeah. there. Yeah. And now, the whole thing is just a, a bitter, tangled web of, of cover-ups and... Um, he said, she said, and half-truths, and, you know, mm. everyone basically at Essendon three years or so ago falling on their sword to try and save the golden boy who has now finally departed the building. Who proved um, that he wasn't worth the, uh, he wasn't worth the yeah, wait, so to speak. 
Oh, yeah. Ah, nice yeah, pun it's, there. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. We're often we're often firing in this episode, clearly. Uh, I yeah, actually g- good riddance. Yeah. Maybe bye bye ne- too. Maybe never see the likes of you again. Well, I laughed when Sheedy came out and said that he should coach again. I'm like, they're thinking nobody would He'll go anywhere him. near yeah. him. It would be good to see him uh, at Port Adelaide next season, just to see the look on Patrick Ryder's face when he finds out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Or, or uh, the Western Bulldogs. Mm, yeah. Exactly. Because, uh, yeah, Ang- Angus Wantfries wasn't a big fan of his either. But, uh, yeah. Um, no, semi-segue. What's your take on your uh, your captain, Mr. Hodjo, uh, Mr. Three or Four Beers? Yeah. Um, it's an interesting one. The Listening to Clarko's press conference, he made a point which I thought was, was very... Very bang on the money. And he said, how many young blokes are there out in Australia who have a few drinks, try to sober up, you know, have have some water, have some food, think they're okay to drive, end up driving, uh, you know, slightly over the limit, get pinged for it. How many times would that happen and how many times would it get this sort of coverage? I mean, I would treat it so much differently if he had been absolutely blotto. He was, you know, well and truly over the limit, knew he shouldn't have been driving and got done for it anyway. For me, the fact... Cause, and it's because it's it's something I can relate to, you know. When you've had a few drinks and then you try and, you know, work out, all right, how much have I got to eat? How much have I... You know, how much time's got to pass and all that in order to sober up. So in terms of the drink driving thing, I think, you know, I, I don't hold too much of ill feeling towards him for that for me it's more just the broader issue of with a month and a half of the season left to go and your boy's not even sitting in the top two should you really be out there on the piss at all full stop i'm gonna work the other way that's a very valid point with regards to the other point whilst i understand what you're saying i don't agree is that unfortunately whether he likes it or not he's held to a higher standard and he needs to be held to that higher standard when you consider that one of the companies who's putting in a shitload of money into the AFL is the TAC. Yeah. And I'm actually surprised that the TAC didn't come out and say, well, it's good to see that, um, you know, one of the premier Victorian clubs takes our message really seriously because they, you know, slap their captain with a wet lettuce leaf. Yeah. Fine. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's. But I think it's it's just the when you when I heard him talk about it, and I heard Clarko talk about it as well. It yeah. clearly wasn't something where he, you know, willfully went out, had no. had too much to drink, and then drove afterwards. He he was clearly aware, you know, this is the legal limit. You know, I need to make sure I'm under that. Thought he was, and it turned but, out he was slightly. I mean, there's a I big mean, difference between being his, pinged with a yeah. blood alcohol content of his, point one yeah. versus point oh six, yeah. which is what but, he blew. So. I heard I heard a comment one on one of the other things saying what the hell's he doing driving anyway is that what Ryan Showmakers should be doing <laughs> otherwise why else are they got him at the club are, are you kidding me I wouldn't trust Ryan Showmakers <laughs> behind the wheel fuck I'd be tucking and rolling if I saw him yeah behind the wheel of my car <coughs> God I think he I, I yeah look there's two there's two things I, and you know you you hit the point that I probably was would be more more concerned slash alarmed about, which is a, a player who's not playing on that particular weekend because he's done the wrong thing and been suspended. Mm. First of all, how he only got two weeks for that's a whole that's a whole other matter. But the finals were two weeks away. Yeah, I know, but he should have got more for that. That was just a, it was yeah, iris, it was incredibly dangerous. He was very very lucky that something more serious didn't happen there, mm. um, but. To be doing something like that when he's already out of the team for doing something incredibly stupid and basically... And the captain. And the captain and basically doubling down on his stupidity. Let's, let's not mince words. And I, I kind of get a little bit annoyed with the whole, oh, but but Hodgie's a good bloke, so it's okay. It's like, no, it's that, not okay. Bullshit. That argument doesn't that's hold anymore. Exactly. Though. I mean, he's done three things this year that would suggest otherwise. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> um, Three strikes, even. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the question someone posed, I think it was on Talk About Radio a couple of weeks ago, was in 2013, after Hawthorne had lost a grand final, they were widely expected to win the season before. Does anyone think Luke Hodge would have been out drinking six weeks before the 
the yeah. season ended. Mm. I think that would have been a resounding no. So, mm. yeah, that's the other thing. It smacks of a little bit of um, yeah, self-indulgence and yeah. complacency. I, yeah, and no, I mean, they've kind of sweetwalked through this season. Yeah. I think the skit... It's, they, it's, we it's, sort it's of an we interesting cranked it up for those two weeks against Frio and Sydney where yeah. we knocked them off by a combined margin of 150-odd or whatever it was. But, yeah. I mean, it's, it's their best has clearly been better than anybody else's best, but they've been so... Yeah. I, I don't know. They've they've picked and choose. Um, Chosen. Yeah. Yeah, let's, yeah. Let's, you know, yeah. how they were going to play. And they've... They've been rolled at times where you just you're watching them going like this. I mean, isn't we, the we same lost team. to the side that finished fifteenth on the ladder this season. Just that statement really. Is that the you're talking about Essendon? Or? Yeah, yeah. Well, that I mean, that Ess- let's you lost the Essendon game by two seconds. Yeah, but the fact is, we lost to yeah. the team that finished fifteenth this season. Mm. You know, for the team that's as you say. Their best has been the best football that anyone has played this year. It's mm. it's unforgivable to mm. to drop that sort of game when yeah. you're in the race. For and I think top two I think that a couple of their their flaws have been a bit exposed. I think we were actually at the game that really highlighted to me what their problems were, being the Port Adelaide game a couple of weeks ago, which, mm. to be honest, might cost them a premiership oh, yeah. this Absolutely. year. Absolutely. Uh, I blame myself. It seems that my sports teams have this ability to sense when I'm in the stands watching them, when I've flown halfway across the country slash world to see them, and they decide it's time to shit the bed. So, yeah. reference the Lord's Test match, the Boxing Day Test match 2010, yeah. and, and now this latest debacle, Can also we followed by Frio's effort, the... 48 hours later. So what you're saying is if Hawthorne had played the Eagles with the grand finals, I should uh, send you a ticket. Yeah, exactly. With regards, sign the West Coast Eagles. Yeah. So for all the Eagles fans out there, send you money. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, we can, we can make this... The bloke pod. We can make this happen. Yeah. We can make this happen. Um, yes. Uh, yeah, but I but think yeah, but Hawthorne was the game. I but, think that you know Hawthorne is susceptible to that leaping ruckman, who can who can manage to to hit the ball outside. Yeah, I mean, the, David Hale and Ben McAvoy are both very solid, consistent performers. But yeah. that's certainly not their. You know, you wouldn't say that's their mm. strongest point. No, that's right. Well, it's why I'm surprised they haven't played Seglum or. Because Segler, I mean, well, he's not exactly brilliant from an athletic perspective, but Hale and McAvoy are basically the same type of ruckman. Is that you need to? I think you need to mix it up a bit more. Yeah. So I've been very surprised at that because I think that at least he's a bit more athletic. Um, yeah, and I think watching. I mean, I've been a big fan of David Hales for a long, long time now. I think you know, a few years ago, along with Brad Sewell, it was it was very telling that that 2012 Grand Final of which I spoke earlier. They were the only two blokes, along with probably um, Franklin, who could walk off the ground that day with their heads held high knowing we gave it our absolute all. And that's the thing I love about him is even for a, for a big, lanky, you know, pretty unco bloke who's now well and truly, you know, lost a, yeah. probably two yards of pace... He still he gives his absolute all, you know, every week, week in, week out. You know, it's that's never going to waver from him, the effort and yeah, the, I, the consistency that he. The puts one in. who I'd put under the microscope would be McAvoy. Mm. Um, but yeah, but yeah, I think you know, watching him the last few weeks, I, this is definitely his last season. Yeah, he's, I think he's, that's he's just too slow now. Unfortunately, it's gotten to that stage where his his lack of mobility around the ground in quote-unquote modern football is now just becoming a bit too much of a liability mm. to the point where now it's it's not ever in question who the Hawthorne sub is going to be, like barring an injury. It's mm. always going to be David Hale as the one coming off. Yeah, but um, the five-headers, I like to call him. Mm. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting. We're at the... Uh... Yeah, as we record this, Hawthorne of pumped Adelaide last night um, to set up the pre yeah, next week. I mean, I'd st- even though they they now have to go the long way, I, I've still believed that they should have been the favourites. Uh, in a neutral, or not a neutral ground, but the Eagles on the MCG is a bit of a question mark with the way they play defensively. You mean the favourites for the flag right now? No, yes. I, I think 
West Coast Arsenal are favourites because essentially they've booked their ticket to the grand final, whereas oh. Hawthorne have yet to do that. Funny, the when the uh, the odds have opened up today, uh, they're pretty much on level pegging at the moment. Mm. And no, I, I think I, that's probably but, fair but, enough. No, but the other thing I would say, and this is a broadside at all the Channel Seven commentators last night and all the the wider football community, show the Fremantle Dockers some fucking respect. Mm. They finished on top of the ladder this season. They won the right to host a preliminary final since 2007 every team that has hosted a prelim final with a week off has made it to the grand final mm. the fact that everyone is already saying you know Hawthorne it's a fair complete they're through to the grand final it's done and dusted on the back of them showing up for one week against a team who you know had won an emotional final the week before and were clearly yeah. spent the tank and was been, empty and it had been on the road for three weeks straight basically yeah. it's like, I, yeah. I find the perfect it quite, storm last night. I find it quite galling, the lack of respect that Fremantle have been given this season well, for a team that's finished on top of the ladder. The, there's, there's some legitimate concerns about Fremantle, though. I don't necessarily buy all of them, but, I mean, let's be honest, they actually should have lost against Sydney. Sydney had more scoring shots. No, nah, I'm sorry. I, don't, I, I just don't for the buy best, that argument. For the, for the I, better part of the second half... Sydney were pressing up on them to the point where Frio looked shot. Now, yeah, yeah. could have, would have, should have, though. I mean, yeah, I know it's could have, would have, should have, didn't. But, I mean, in the, in the grand scheme of things, the Sydney team had more scoring shots, basically had to use their sub in the first 20 minutes of the game. Not only that, they're only tall forward as well. It, it was with, you know, with guys like Jack, Parker and Franklin out of their team, as well as mm-hmm. Nick Smith who would have played on one of Ballantyne and Walters, who were basically Fremantle's only forwards for that game. There's there's a lot there. I, and, you know, can Fremantle... We're going to find out a lot about Fremantle in this upcoming game against Hawthorne. My, my concerns about Fremantle is can they kick a winning score against a team that's very offensively minded? If you get four or five goals ahead of Fremantle, it's pretty much game over. Yeah, I'm not going to sit here and say they're a shoo-in for the flag. I'm not going to sit here and say they will definitely beat Hawthorne next week. For the record, I, think, for the for record, the record I do think they will beat Hawthorne next the, week. But, but just I mean, in general, I think they have yeah. been the most talked down think, uh, McClellan Trophy yeah. winners ever. And that's fair too. I, th- I mean, for the record, I think that there's legitimate question marks about every team that's left. I think there's legitimate question marks about the Eagles. I think there's legitimate question marks about Hawthorne. How hungry are they? Are they quick enough? Can they deal with a Ruckman that's going to dominate? Because to win the flag, they're probably going to have to go through two of them. Yeah. Um, there's all these things that you have to consider. Uh, well, they will have to go through two of them now that I think of it. Mm. <laughs> but it's... it's Because there'll be Sanderlands and then the next week and will probably, probably be the... Nananui or Goldstein, really. Yeah. Or, yeah, well, that's right. With apologies or t- to Sydney, Or Tippett. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I mean, they they're legitimate questions. Mm. I mean, the and you know Hawthorne's key defenders are are struggling. Oh, it didn't matter too much last night because the ball wasn't getting in there very often. But I'm sorry, but when you've watched Ryan Showmakers for five years, and I was saying this last night, Brian Lake, that hats off to the Hawks recruiters. That is top up recruitment one hundred and one right there. He well, has been he has been a massively important player for us since Lake, he came over. Burgoyne, Hale, Gibson. No, but Lake in particular because he has done what no one else at that club was able to do prior to him joining, and that is he will take on the best forward in the opposition and he will shut them down. That's what Ryan Schoenmakers was attempting to do. Reference the uh, Justin Kaczynski, Tom Hawkins... Oh, who else was there? No, it's Tom Jack, Jack Rewall. Yeah, Jack Rewall. Yeah, I'm sure there was one other as well. They are the best key forward in the game on the AFL website the week after they've managed to towel up a hapless show on makers. I mean, Brian Lake has basically come in and, and managed to able, you know, very commendably perform that role, which oh. of all our uh, stocks across the board... Key defender was the one glaring deficiency having, that we had a few years. Having ago. said that, he looked all at sea last week. He looked almost like he was playing with a fork in his back. Mm. Um, so I'd, I'd take that with a grain of salt. I think he's I'd, he was I'd still take he that was great. To, he was great for the two premierships. He was very mm. important for those premierships. But yeah, I think that 
I think that they thought the same thing with regards to recruiting Frawley, that they needed him. We don't. We officially don't. <laughs> I, I'm i still staggered as to how he can keep his spot in the side and Will Langford gets dropped for last night. That's... Mm, mm. I really don't understand that one at all. The the argument of saying, yes, we want to bring Hartung in for some run, and T- Timbo was saying this last night as well, I Hartung. do not get this argument about bringing someone in for run and then making them the sub. Yeah, it, agreed. It, it doesn't make sense to me at all. I mean, Hartung should be in your best 21 anyway, to be honest. I've watched enough of him and I've watched enough of Hawthorne this year is is that he gives you the element. He gives you an element that you, you need to basically allow Smith and Hill to be more effective. Yeah, I think the thing that Langford brings, which I like, is just that intensity and that... Um, that presence around the stoppages that Brad Sewell used to provide of just able to win the ball out. It doesn't, it doesn't matter, you know, the, the quality of clearance or how mm. particularly, you know, how precise he is with his disposals, but he just wins the ball by hook or by crook and gets it yeah. out to those, yeah, the hills well, and the, the, the Smiths that you talk the about. Thing that, the, the role that he primarily played was locked down and Hawthorne are trying to really steer away from that. Although they, you know, they had to really lock down on Shuey last week in the second half because yeah. his first half was probably the best half of football he's ever played. Yeah. Um, I think the problem with Hawthorne right now is that they just don't have someone who, other than Sam Mitchell, who is one of the most underrated footballers <laughs> of this generation and just does it week in, week out. They don't have anyone who, in a backs-to-the-wall situation, you can count on to absolutely come up trumps. I think there are a lot of flat-track bullies in that Hawthorne side. Jared Ruffett, or as we call him, Jared Junkhead, is definitely one that springs to mind. I I call him Gotta Roughhead. Yeah. I think Luke Hodge often falls into that category as well. Mm. Um, I think Luke Bruce and Cyril Rioli are both in there as well. There are... There are a lot of times when... Bruce is very much a flat track bully. Yeah, when I look at the team and it's like, yeah, we look outstanding when things are going well for us. But And Jordan Lewis is definitely another one I'd put in that category too. Mm-hmm. There are guys in there who... And this is why I have so much time for David Hale and Will Langford and why I think we miss Brad Sewell a lot is... Guys who you know week in, week out, their, you know, their effort and their intensity and their, just that desire and sort of competitive drive that they bring to everything they do, you know it, it will never waver. It's always at 100%. And I think Sam Mitchell is now probably the only guy in that side who, I, who I'd say provides that. Mm. Yeah, well, they didn't have too many uh, winners against the Eagles. Yeah, and that's and I, and I'd argue a game that, like that. And I'd yeah. argue that even though Mitchell had 35 possessions, he probably at best broke even with the guy he was playing on. Yeah. Um, who had 25 and was far more effective. Yeah. Um, but, look, yeah, I, I, as I say, the, the three main ones, Frio, I question their ability to score. I question the, the Eagles' ability to be able to play their their pressing style of football on the MCG mm. come grand final day. I also have still have a little bit of questions about our midfield, which still needs a bit of a, um, you know, needs silver service from Nick Natanui in the ruck to mm. be effective. And, um, yeah, Hawthorne, it's hunger and foot speed uh, are my concerns. So it's it's an interesting situation is, is that I think that Hawthorne probably, it's a, the classic triangle thing. Hawthorne are... Hawthorne probably cover Fremantle. We probably cover Hawthorne, and Fremantle cover the Eagles. Yeah. So it could be very much a, a match-up situation yeah. that we're that we're dealing with. I think the other thing that's most exciting about it is if you look at the coaches of those three sides. These are not, you know, these are three of the best minds going around yeah. in, in the game today. I think you know, there's. there's I think that there's two that are well and that, truly proven, and one that is really emerging fast. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Clarko is emerging pretty quickly. No, <laughs> no. I mean, like, I Clark, think, Clarkson, like, it, it, Clarkson and Lyon have the runs on the board. I mean, Lyon hasn't won a premiership, but he's one bad bounce away from a premiership. Yeah, and I think if you look at <coughs> like Camparelli last night, I think <coughs> he clearly just got out coached. Yeah, well, there's certainly. Mm. I have absolutely no qualms in saying that will not happen with those three teams who we've just mentioned then, you know, in terms of what their their strategies are, their ability to, I think, you know, change things up and, mm. you know, mix things around and certainly not be stuck in the old John Walsfold, I've got 
two plans, one of which is to throw Hunter forward, the other one is to throw yeah. Hunter back. Yeah. Um, you know, they're yeah, not going to be... Swap Hunter and Chip, basically. That was his plan. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. They're not going to be sort of those one-trick and ponies. I think that's, that's an interesting segue as well with Worsfold going to Essendon. I mean, my God, that's got to be the worst idea ever. <laughs> Well, short of asking James Hurt to come back. But, well, <laughs> but worst part was just proven to be so tactically inept by the end is that the Eagles would get a full game, uh, full game a full goal lead and you'd be sitting there going, we're nowhere near safe here. Mm. And, you know, the other team's like, oh, right, so that's what you're doing. Okay, we're going to tinker one thing. And they generally only tinker one thing and used to run over the top of us all the time. Yeah. Um, you just never got the sense with him. When you hear a lot of coaches, when they talk about the game, just the way they talk about their their strategies and their game plans and that, you know, mm. Clarko and Lyon, definitely in this category. Simo, that's one of the things that stood out about him since day one. Yeah. Just, you can tell when they talk about it, it's almost like listening to, you know, a, a virtuoso penis talk about music or, you know, someone who's just absolutely on top of their game, so clued in and across every single aspect of what they're discussing. Yeah. Warsfold, to me, just never seemed to bring that tactical nous. Well... And just to, the sheer brain. behind I mean, the thing is, it, to put it I into thought. perspective, the only two guys who are running around for us at the moment that weren't there under Warsfold were Sheed and Yo. They're the only two. Well, All the other Wellingham? guys were there. Wellingham was there okay. last year. He actually okay. brought Wellingham across. Okay. So it's it's not like, you know, there's been a significant yeah. turnover yeah. of players. It's that Simo just has a better mm. understanding of what they can offer and has found ways mm. to make it work. I mean, putting Wellingham back in defence was an absolute masterstroke. Uh, using Shep as a third tall a la a Birchall at Hawthorne has worked wonders. I mean, there are so many guys you look at how they've performed this season compared to, I guess, not only their previous years, but I guess what you... I mean, you look at Brad Shepard and you just look at him and in previous years I just would have thought he's just not AFL quality. Well, I, he's just not quite there. I thought he had some things, a, but his body used to it. He, he never got a overly clean run at it. Is yeah. it, he'd, just, he'd play like four or five games in a row and he'd start to show something and then he'd get injured. Mm. So it was always unclear. But I, I think more to the point, the Woosfold era dicked him around a lot and said, oh, well, we'll play you on a wing. No, we'll play you at half back. No, yeah. we'll play you back pocket on the speedy forwards. No, we'll play you at half forward. They never mm. like, basically said, here's your spot, settle. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, there's him, there's... There's Wellingham, there's yeah. there's Elliot Yo, there's Andrew Gaff who has had an absolute breakout year. There are so yeah. many guys this year who have just performed above and beyond what you would have expected the or one thought they Adam could achieve. The one who you haven't, I, I won't yeah. say you haven't really noticed, but he doesn't get anywhere near enough credit is Luke Shuey. Luke Shuey's been amazing this year. Mm. He's he's I think stepped to, up to, enough to, to be a number one. To be one. fair, though, I think that's because ever since he, well, should have won the Rising Star and didn't, another Essendon debacle, that's probably been expected of him, you know, in partnership yeah. with Nana Nui. That's sort of well, been his... His destiny, in the, so to speak. In the past, it used right. to be you sat a tag on him and he was useless. Mm. And he's he's managed this year to find ways to be effective while still being tagged at in order to help the greater good of the team. So, mm. like, he's there's times where he's sacrificed his own game in order to help other guys get free. And, you know, Gaff is somebody who's certainly benefited a lot from that. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I think that you can't underestimate the role that he's had this year as well. He's He's... A, He's the player, as you said, that everybody thought he was going to be now, I think. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, just doesn't get enough credit. And in that first final against Hawthorne, his first half was immense. Yeah. With Prittis out, he just was a bull. Yeah. Uh, to the point where Hawthorne had to send a hard tag to him. Yeah. <laughs> and we, we pretty much sat him on the bench and in the forward line for the last quarter to protect him. Yeah. Because <laughs> we'd, he'd, he'd done everything he needed to do. So As had the team. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's a really interesting last few weeks, I think, you know, there are almost no permutation of results from here on in would surprise me, whereas I think over the last few seasons, you've certainly had the, I guess, the the teams you'd expect to be there, you know, the results you'd expect. I think the Eagles... Pretty much gone as as you thought. If you have Eagles versus whoever, 
I think it's a wide-open grand final yeah. this year. Um, I think if the Eagles find a way to not win, um, I think whoever wins the Friday night game would have a distinct advantage over whoever's playing. Yeah. I think that there's it's a bit of a race in three now. Yeah. And as I said, I think that it, the, the combination of how that's going to fall will be very interesting. Yeah, um, definitely. But... Uh, now, uh, I guess with the Australian cricket team as well, one thing we haven't talked about was the uh, the Ashes. And yeah, there's, there's the, been good reason for the that. Good, the good news, the women's won the Ashes, which is yes. great. So, Elise Perry is the best cricketer in Australia right now. Hands down. She is just outstanding. If, if a bloke had been able to achieve 75% of what she's done over the last five years, he would he would be, you know, about on par with Bradman right now, the way he would be talked about. Mm. She is just superlative, outstanding, yeah. brilliant. I love Elise Perry with all my heart. If only she'd divorce yeah. that rugby-playing dick and... <laughs> Come over for a bit of action, Jackson. Just gonna say, Kokonakis yeah. might have beaten you. Yeah, dear. Yeah. Damn. Um, but of course, uh, <laughs> in the words of the league, wow, that guy's really ploughing his way through the office. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but, but I think it's it's a very interesting certainly time for Australian uh, cricket right certainly now. Certainly, end of an era with uh, we've seen Clark Rogers. Uh, your boy Rhino, Shane Watson, and Brad Haddon all go as yep. a, as a consequence of that tour, and and yeah. potentially um, Siddle and Voges not far away in there as well. Yeah, well, Voges is a vice captain for the Bangladesh tour. Oh, is he? Jeez, yeah. I hadn't read that. That's yeah. how. Uh, that's how short of uh, yeah. short of uh, yeah. ability. Well, I was though. reading somewhere that this is going to be the <coughs> the most inexperienced test lineup since. Um, it was some in the yeah. late seventies when World Series cricket <coughs> yeah. had basically poached all the decent players from the ranks. Oh, we so. probably would have been the same with the Rebel tours in the mid eighties there for a while too. Mm. Um, but I think there's where it was you know, border, is... where it's border or bust, and I think it's going to be Steve Smith or bust for a while now. Mm. I mean, you just hope that um, someone like Bancroft can, you know. There's, there's, I guess there's two sides to it. You really don't want to burden the guy. I mean, the fact is he's played one really, really good innings, and it says a lot about the complete lack of batting talent at Australian state level that he has now been... The, he's the next big thing in Australian cricket on the back of a single innings. Mm. You know, it used to be you had to sort of well put together a whole season. I mean, he made a double more. he made a double century last year, and he made nearly nine hundred runs in the Sheffield Shield. I know that a thousand used to be the benchmark, but no, that's fair enough. But I think I really hope it's for me. It's less about you know I want him to make one century, or I want him to average fifty, or this, that, or the other, or any sort of you know, exact numerical benchmarks like that. For me, it's I want him to look comfortable, familiarise himself with the the national team and, you know, the intensity and everything else of test cricket. I want him to become a part of that landscape so that mm. even if he, you know, gets dropped, is in and out of the side for a little while, he shows enough that we can say, you know, comfortably that this bloke's going to be in and around the test side well, for the and- next... 10, I actually, you know, I, can I can I take a shot at the selectors here? I'm sure I can. Go um, for it. I'm not going to stop I wanna, you. I want them to <laughs> stick fat. You know, they they stuffed Phil Hughes around. They stuffed yeah, Kawadra around as well. Can we stick fat with these guys? Yeah. Him and Mitch Marsh in particular. Let them play ten tests consecutively as long as they're not injured. Just let them settle. I knew the ashes was over when I heard that Mitch Marsh had been dropped for the fourth test. Yeah. That that was an absolute howler. Mm. Terrible, terrible, terrible selection. Rod Marsh deserves to be dropped as the head of selectors on the basis of that decision alone. That yeah. was just a god-awful decision, that one. Yeah, it was, it was actually putting the failings of the top five, or in particular four and five, and blaming Mitch Marsh for and it. And to me, that it's it's funny you mention the name Phil Hughes. It's almost yeah. exactly what it happened to him exactly in that 2009 happened. tour when they yeah. basically shafted him to cover for the inadequacies of Mitchell Johnson. Yeah. Two tests after he'd become the youngest ever batsman to score two centuries in a match. Mm. Like, I think there are a lot of underperforming backroom individuals in the Australian cricket setup right now who are not under anywhere near as much... 
uh, scrutiny as they should be. I mean, Michael DiVenuto's still got his job as batting coach. Mm. How the batting coach can retain his job after that sort of a, uh, an Ashes series, I mean, what sort of KPIs or, you know, metrics are we holding these guys to account against? Well, clearly he was only responsible for Rogers, Warner and Steve Smith. Oh, for fuck's uh, sake. <laughs> but, I mean, there's, yeah, there's, again, there's a lot of that sort of self-indulgence about Australian cricket, which yes. I think is fair enough if you've got the runs on the the board. But with this team at the moment, I mean, the fact is, we went over there as, rightly or wrongly, we went over there as very, very firm favourites to win the Ashes. Mm. And we handed them back with two losses inside three days. There should be blood on the walls for that at Cricket Australia. I think the, the cavalier way that they play is that it's 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 boom or bust. Yeah. Not and only the way they played, but the way they talked, the yeah. way they, you yeah, know, just all the, the, the Mitchell Stark coming out after the second test and saying, oh, England can prepare whatever type of wicket they want. It, it won't help them. How'd that work out for you, buddy? I mean, I'm all for a good bit of, you know, you know, digging away at your opponents between test matches and that and trying to yeah. just needle them a little bit. But a statement like that from someone who had done nothing in the series to date, has done nothing with a red ball in his career to date, that's just dumb, Mm. plain and simple. You don't do that in a country where you haven't won for the last 14 years. I mean, that's right. They were carrying on like Steve Wall was their captain and it was the early 2000s. And you had McGrath and Warren, you have Gilchrist, you know, Hayden, Langer, Ponting. All those blokes. All those guys in the primes of their career. And... No. Sorry, guys. You're just not that good. Yeah. It's that... I mean, if, if you're honest, if you're picking a World eleven right now, how many Australian players are in there? Well, Rogers will probably get a start, uh, you know, his retirement notwithstanding. Yeah. Smith would probably get a gig given that he's rated as the number one batsman. I suspect. But he would probably be batting at five or six, not three. Yeah. I suspect Lyon and Johnson, you'd probably give a run albeit Johnson is very much a yeah. I think a fast pitches only um, proposition these days yeah but, Johnson's yeah. a conditions pick I would say maybe yeah don't know about Lyon I mean there aren't many great spinners well that's around, that's why I've said him <laughs> Herath well, maybe would get a game ahead of him yeah it'd be um, it'd be one of those two yeah. for sure um, but outside of those guys, no, no one else. Mm-hmm. I mean, pretty much it's less a question of how many Aussies would make the squad and how many South Africans wouldn't to a certain yeah. extent. I mean, they, well, that's right. they it's pretty a, much you'd probably, the, oh, that's the, the 11. Easy. You'd probably start with the South African yeah, 11. Work out, work out who, two or three who guys you want to replace. Cut. Yeah. Yeah. And look at, you know, then you'd be looking at guys like, you know, Joe Root, um, Kane Williamson, you might put McCullum in as a captain, you might think about that. Uh, Jermaine, J- um, Jermaine Taylor, yeah. potentially. Well, uh, Bolt, Southie, guys like that, you'd be looking at all of those guys, I would say. You might, and, and you know, conditions wise, if you're playing in England, you'd definitely be looking at guys like Anderson and Broad. Mm. Uh, Pizarra, yeah. maybe. Like, mm. Coley. Yeah. Mm. It's. It's very much a, yeah, remove... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, start with the as, as South African eleven as you yeah. say, and then work backwards from that. Mm. So I think there's... The, the, good, the, good, the good news is for us, there's there's no bit of a time to be coming up against Bangladesh. Yeah. Let's face it, you know. Well, because Actually, we're... that'd be uh, um, the, the Bangladesh... Uh, uh, Al-Hussein. Shakib al Yeah, the all-rounder. The, the yeah. guy who I think became, recently became only the fourth guy in history to take 10 wickets and, and score a century yeah. in a match. I think it was like Botham, Khan, and um, I can't even remember who the other guy would have been. It might have yeah. only been the third, but yeah, yeah he'd, he'd get a run as well. He's he's their one world-class cricketer. Yeah. But outside of him, the Bangladeshi 11, you know, they, they're they going to try hard and they're going to certainly put on their best showing. Well, rare mean, opportunity for them to take on Australia. And they'll be preparing dust bowls. Let's yeah. not kid ourselves. Yeah. yeah. But, but I mean, I think this is a good opportunity for. Unfortunately, it's a good opportunity for the big show to come in and ensure that he's a shit stain upon the Test eleven for the next eighteen months. To yes. a lesser extent, I think Mitchell Stark might do the same. Mm. 
They're um, actually lucky that so they got Bangladesh and then they get the West Indies over here. So they get a couple of soft kills. But then I think that the Kiwis might surprise them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and the fact that we're playing them here yeah. in Perth as well. Yes. Can we... Sorry, I've just... It's all just come flooding back as I say that. We need to get this down. I'm... Quite seriously, I'm heartbroken. Heartbroken. The Wacker will no yeah. longer host Test Match Cricket as well, of will, 2017. It will be 17, cherry-picking Test Match Cricket. Oh, and uh, They can say that. I yeah. don't believe it will happen. No. Because for two reasons. Number one, we don't really play anyone outside of South Africa, England, uh, India and England in Test Cricket over here. Mm. When you think of the last yeah. X number of teams to come Well, that's here, right. I mean, geez, it's, 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 it's like... It's almost... It's, it's right. ridiculous. Like, it's Dave Warner's first series when we last played New Zealand. Yeah, yep. So, I mean, that's, that's a good six or seven years ago yeah, now because they're not one of the big three yeah that was an interesting thing just a side note that michael clark is the first child of that next generation exactly half of his test matches were played against south africa or uh, sorry against um england india. england or india yeah. but yeah the the thought that i will only get probably two more opportunities to go to the Wacker ground and sit there and watch Test Match Cricket be played. I mean, I've, I've put this on the record before. The first day of the Test Match at the Wacker ground each year is, is one of... I look forward to it all year. The day that the Test Match schedule is released, I immediately take all those days off work, book them off work, some, you know, four or five months in advance. I organise, you know, with Dad, with... With Nathan Timbo, usually the first three days, I've got the guest pass organised with them to take the day off work and to book themselves in. I look forward to it all year long. And there is something just magical about watching Test Match Cricket at the Wacker. Yeah, you're sitting in the sun. Yeah, it's hot. Yeah, there's queues. Yeah, the facilities are shit. But there's something captivating about not only watching Test Match Cricket at that ground... But, and this is the other big thing, watching it with a packed house. I was really quite underwhelmed at my experience of going over to see the first test match at the new Adelaide Oval. And the number one reason for that was simply that the ground was maybe one third empty. Mm. It's nothing against the ground, you know, nothing, you know, it's nothing against the, the teams, the performance, the weather, anything else like that. It's just there's something awesome about having every single seat in that stadium filled, you know, to, to capacity when that first ball is bowled on the first morning. And I think outside of the first day of an Ashes Test match, you, let alone filling the stadium, you won't get it half filled any of the other days. Okay, can, can I, I'm going to throw a question to you here. Feel free to answer it however yeah, you best yeah. see fit. As a paid Wacker member for this, are you disappointed in how they've managed their operations over the past five to ten years to allow it to get to this point? Yes. In a word, yes. <laughs> I mean, I think it's gotten to the point now where this was pretty much their only uh, feasible course of action yeah well they're not going to get but, any money from governments no and with the perth stadium being built it, yeah. it was always going to happen but the disappointment for me is less about the that shift to the new stadium that's all well and good but it's the inclusion of test match cricket in that shift i think 100 percent the wacker should be the home of test match cricket in WA, you can move the 2020s over there. You can move the um, the 50 over format over there. You can move all the other cricket games throughout the year over to the Perth Stadium if you want. But Test match cricket should be kept at the Wacker, and that is because it is probably the number one most recognised um, Test match stadium in the world. If you ask someone, name a Test match stadium yes. outside of outside of Lords. Or perhaps not name MCG? a stadium, but name test match conditions that are... And I even argue the MCG. If you, know, if, you, if you think about cricket in Australia and what characterises it, the fast, bouncy wickets, the sun... No, that's and, a and different question, else. That's, that's the whacker, you know, that is what yeah, I mean, fast bowling I think... is all about. If you ask a fast bowler... Pick any pitch in the world where you'd like to set up shop. It'd be the Wacker. The Wacker. You know, 90% of them would probably come back and say the Wacker. And yeah, I think Wacker or Joburg, probably. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Joburg would be the other one. And I think 
there's just that unique characteristic about it which you won't come close to replicating at some sort of shitty drop-in wicket at a yeah. brand spanking new stadium. Yeah, I think the administrators the, the, will love it because they'll be dead and lifeless for the majority of the match, so you'll be guaranteed five days of gate-takings. Yeah. But at the end of the day, isn't isn't there something to be said for that provision of something which nowhere else in the world, you know, can say we've got We've got the fastest well, wicket in the no world. No one else in, you know, nowhere else in Australia yeah. can say that the ground is specifically for that purpose. Yeah, that's the that's the thing that they're losing. And, and, and that, but, but the other but thing the, they're losing. Sorry, I'll, I'll just say this as well. The other thing they're losing is that this is where Adam Gilchrist smashed the second fastest Test century of all time. This is where of all De- time. This is where Dennis Lilly bowled Viv Richards in a Shield final and rolled Queensland for sixty-two in one of the you know the great state matches. This is where Mitchell Johnson ripped through England twice and South Africa once in some of the best spells of fast bowling ever yeah. seen. It's where you know, Barry, the, Barry Richard peeled off 300 against yeah. a, a test quality, yeah. well, against a WA attack that all played test cricket. There's just so much history of of cricket in this ground, you know, that there's just so much that we're going to be losing mm. once we shift it across. And that more than anything is why I think... Test cricket should stay there. I I, but, I mean, disagree with the with what James Sutherland is saying about having the imperative need being there to shift Test cricket to the new stadium. Because as I say, I think outside the first day of an Ashes series, you wouldn't be filling that ground with any more patrons than you'd be able to fit at the Wacker anyway. Well, time will tell that. But. Um yeah, it's it's. I, I'm just gobsmacked by the mismanagement that, mm. that that administration's put into place. It's the you know the the deal that they did with the Ascot Capital. Yeah, I think yeah, they were yeah, called. Yeah, yeah. That was just a ridiculous deal. Yeah, and you know he, that's the type of thing where heads should roll. And I mean, unfortunately, the the one that they did try to get off the ground, which was I think the gardens. Yeah, they called it. There was just a. It was poorly managed as well, but there was also a general lack of um, public interest in taking up the, you know, the apartments. But, that, but the scary thing is, is that that's the thing you can find out beforehand for mm. twenty market to 20, research yeah, guys. Funny, you know, that's right, yeah. 20, twenty to twenty-five grand, you can find that out. Yeah. Instead of going into a contract that you have to basically pay nearly eight figures to break. Mm. Come hell or high water, this yeah. is going to be the cost. Yeah, but I'm I'm really like quite. I'm surprised legitimately you would have, depressed I'm surprised, about it. All. I'm surprised you didn't put in an offer of interest for the gardens. Like, just well, imagine. I, I tell you what, when when it came out, Dad and I b- both went there and we looked at them. Yeah. We said we won't buy them off the plan, but yeah. give it six months, and definitely, yeah. definitely, I I would have been in. Yeah. Absolutely, I so, probably wouldn't have minded living there either. Actually, be a good place. Mm. Oh, I mean, Matty Collins is pretty bloody close to living yeah. that dream at the moment. Yeah, Just South about, African you know, correspondence almost two hundred and fifty meters away, yeah. basically. Yeah, two you blocks. Can, you can see most of the Inverarity stand from his um, like the the pool, yeah. the pool area. At, at his units. What's it called? Like the QE2? Uh, yeah, oh, I can't it's remember like, what it's called now. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah. yeah. but it's, it's just so sad for me. I'm going to lose so much. And as I say, having it in a brand new caked in stadium with a drop in wicket and half of the seats in the stadium empty, it's just not going to be the same. It's really very disappointing. So... I'm going to brighten then. I'm going to shift to something else much brighter. One of the great moments in Australian sport has happened since we last recorded. The the Fremantle crowd booing Adam Goods. (laughs) Yeah, that was fucking awesome. But um, we haven't it, talked uh, about that for a very good reason, and that is, is that I'm just the, sick of hearing about it. A, we're sick of hearing so, about it, and B, anybody who is naive or stupid enough to believe that anybody who boos Adam Goods is racist is a fucking moron. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't go quite that far, but to me, it's more just the extent to which it's been blown out of all proportion. I mean, yeah. Luke Hodge got booed more than Adam Goods got booed last week. <coughs> Yeah, I would say. Yes, you do. There's there's different reasons why different people get booed. The way that the yeah the the lefty loveys and the apologists and everyone else just jumped on this as their bandwagon to make a statement about things. Yeah, I just find it all mm. a bit distasteful to mine. To to be honest, I I actually do feel sorry for Adam Goods in a way. 
with the way that this whole thing has unfolded, I think mm. a lot of what has happened, with the exception of throwing the spear, yeah. I would say nothing else that's happened has really been his fault. I agree with that one hundred percent. He, I was, I backed him up until the spear. Yeah, I think that the, he caught flat for calling out the girl, but that that was that was the right thing to do. He may have, in hindsight, he may have maybe taken a slightly different tack, but in the situation and the emotion that he would have been feeling i think i think it was it's fair probably enough. fair enough yeah. um i think he was undeservedly made australian of the year but, but that again not is fault. not his fault yeah. yeah um so i think yeah a lot of what else has happened you can't pin it on him but unfortunately he's now become yeah the the star to which a lot of these other people have decided to hitch their wagon in order to make their own point or mm. you know put forward their own and the funny thing and is, is the funny him. thing is, is that it's probably going to hurt him post career more than it's going to help him. Well, Caro wrote a pretty good article the other day saying that you know his his career will likely end well within the next eight days, mm. and he won't receive anywhere near the recognition he deserves for it. I mean, the fact is, mm. the guy won two Brownlow medals. Yeah. For anyone else, a a, a um, spot in the motorcade on Grand Final day at the MCG would be an absolute given for him. That's not going to be the case, not due to his on-field performance, but more due to the fact that he's now become a, a symbol for, for all, a, a lightning rod, if you will, yeah. for all this, uh, this, the cacophony of noise that has surrounded him over the last few months. Mm. And, yeah, I, as I say, I kind of feel for him in that regard. But yeah, I think that's, I, that's really well said. Uh, that's really well said. Um, it, it is. It's. It's a bit unfortunate. I, I think at the same time he doesn't necessarily shy away from it. No, he doesn't. Um, but, but I mean, that's yeah. That's his prerogative. Yeah, absolutely. And, that's his prerogative. Yeah. But so. But anyway, yeah. So I will go. The one of the great moments in Australian sport. Jason Day oh, on, on the 18th green. Could not have been happier for Jason I Day. I was ecstatic. As as depressed as I am about the whacker, yeah, yeah. was as th- utterly thrilled as I was for him. And I defy any Australian sports fan to watch that video of him winning that, that tournament and not have a tear in their eye. It was absolutely brilliant. The thing that, the thing that you always take away... From, from these situations is that he's somebody who seems to be really respected amongst his peers mm. is that all the all the comments and that that came through from you know the the heavy hitters of the game yep. Tiger Woods Rory McElroy Jordan Spieth all of them coming out and saying we knew this day was coming congratulations yep. that type of thing it's great to see and he just seems like a ripping bloke too and he's such an old head on young shoulders yeah. too when when you think about unfortunately for him his ridiculous overachievement in his first uh 10 majors i think it was <coughs> became almost a cross he had to bear the fact that he hadn't won one well and, it was uh, also uh, the fact that he'd been so dominant in amateurs as well yeah that's true that but, didn't help i mean too, but. i th- i read somewhere that I think it was only him and Henrik Stenson have, I think, made the t- made the top twenty in the last twelve major tournaments, or or some statistic like that. You know, some ridiculously almost shades of the whole. You know, Rafa and Roger making X number of consecutive Grand Slam semi-finals. You know, this for a sport in which yeah, it's all- so easy to have a bad day. And then not make... As everyone always says, yeah. you can't win a major on the first day, but you can lose a major on the first day. To be that consistent at the very, very start of his career... Yeah, and I mean... Across the, the four major tournaments, year in, year out. And the other thing about golf is that it's so highly variable to the conditions that you're playing under, is, yeah. is that the conditions aren't always the same. Yeah, I mean, Peter Senior won a an Australian Open a few years back, essentially because he got to play... I mean, he pl- played very well, but he got to play while the conditions were a lot better than than yeah. all the the chasers later well, on. That's right. He'd been sitting in the clubhouse yeah. for three or four yeah. hours. Um, yeah, it's but, and I think you know when you when you read about the way he performed at the Masters, you know, year in year out. When you read about him having had that, I think it was a, a two-stroke lead as he was heading to the sixteenth at the Masters a couple of years ago, mm. and then. Two holes later, as he was walking up the 18th fairway, 
just sighing and saying to his caddy, I should have won this tournament. Yeah. Um, the whole thing with the vertigo at the British Open as well this year, yeah, where uh, he, he gutsed it out. He guts it yeah, out. Which is was... not something you really say too often about golfers. Yeah. But the fact is, he would have, he could have easily thrown in the towel and then headed off to hospital. You yeah. know, he was, this was a pretty serious um, condition that he was suffering from. Mm. To not only play through it, but play through I mean, he finished top five. Yeah, I think he was, might have been third in the end. Yeah, yeah, he was definitely top five. Yeah. Yeah. He was well and truly he was, in the he was, he was there with, he was right there with four or five holes to play. Yeah. yeah. Which is, Again, what he has been in every major for the last three years, really. I think, yeah, the way that that had sort of been built up into this, you know, monkey on his back that he hadn't actually won one yet. That's a great... That that just outpouring of emotion when he finally won it. It, The the one it reminded me quite... Well, there were two it reminded me of. I think there was... It was so great. There are two moments in Australian golf. There's the Adam Scott fist pump after sinking that putt on the 18th, and there's the Jason Day tears after sinking his putt wow. on the 18th. And there's the uh, uh, the Greg Norman tears from when he uh, blew a seven-shot lead. Yeah. That's, I think, probably a bit before my time. But mm. I think those two moments... Um, and sorry, I've just forgotten the other thing I was going to say. The... Nope gone oh look but uh, i think it's just i just love the story i mean i i saw an interview with his mum and he's admitted the same thing as well is that after his father died he was a bit of a lost child Mm. and basically he's he said that golf saved him and his mum did everything that she could to ensure that he was able to to continue playing golf and it's funny that you say that that was the other comparison i immediately thought of it was bubba watson's reaction after sinking his final putt to win the masters the year that his father had passed away mm. um and that just immediate outpouring of emotion mm. it reminded me straight away of that and yeah as i say just one of the great moments in australian sport and the other thing is now he's got that alleged monkey off his back. I mean, look out. Mm. I was saying to you before, I happened to, he won the next PGA event, and last night, the, the one that's currently going on, I switched over after watching the Davis Cup last night, and it was like, oh, yeah, Jason Day, you know, lazy three-stroke lead against the best, Rory McIlroy, Bubba Watson, Phil Mickelson, you know, the best other golfers in the world, Jordan Spieth, you know... I think now that he's sort of been able to put that behind him and say, right, it's it's yes. go time. Yeah. I I don't think he'll be finishing his career with one yeah. major. Look, I, I think. Win. I mean, that's the thing is, is that they were meant the. Uh, I guess they were meant the death of Tiger Woods' career, but I mean, golf's never been in a better place. If you've got McElroy, Spieth, and Day fighting it out, yeah, it's going to be fantastic for the next four or five years. Absolutely. And I guess to take this back full circle, the Bernard Tomics. And the Nick Curiosas of the world need to look at somebody like Jason Day. That's how you act, behave, prepare as a professional athlete. And that's what representing your country should mean to you. That's exactly right. All of the above. It's a privilege, not a right, punk. <laughs> and that's probably a good point to end on. So Yeah. The the I mean the other big shout out I will give, much as I hate to say it, Novak Djokovic yeah. came within Three sets of doing the Grand Slam this year. Closer than Serena got in yeah. the end. Take that, ESPN, um, who were pumping that up like yeah. you would not believe. I mean, I don't like the bloke, but... Yeah, I've never understood the will... hatred that, that people have for Djokovic. I don't mind him, but anyway. Yeah, I think right now he's definitely probably an even money chance to um, break Federer's record, I would say. And I th- the other thing that I want to say about it is that I think that the... He, it's not only that he got further than Serena, but that is a far more competitive field than women's yeah, tennis. Absolutely. Is. So in, in women's tennis, you've got Serena, Sharapova, the slamless wonder Wozniacki. You know, Harlop's the other one who's suddenly been a bit of a bolt from the blue. You know, Kvitova certainly on grass. You know, Bouchard, I mean, who hasn't been that great this year. You know, you're sort of throwing around these other coulda, woulda, shoulda. The sort yeah. of players who it's not really any surprise if you see them get bounced after the second round. Yeah. In men's tennis, you've, well, straight away, you've got Roger, Rafa, Wawrinka and Murray. 
Yeah. And then you've got the next generation of, you know, the, the Chilliches, the Nishikoris, yeah. all these other giant killers, the, the Songers. The, the, yeah, I was going to say, the two French guys as well, when they're up and about, can beat anyone. Yeah. You've got Kevin Anderson, who, if it's his day, absolutely. is absolutely yeah. dangerous. You've got someone like Burditch, who, if, yeah. he's, if he's on song, I mean, I've yeah. seen him, he beat... Um, but I mean, Federer in four sets. As much as I bag them out, even Kyrgios and Tommy can can do damage on the right day yeah. too. Is that uh, the point that I guess I'm making? Is that you can almost throw a blanket over three and seventy in the women's field, yeah. and it really the the differences are, really aren't that great. I mean, for God's sake, we had the what was it the twenty fifth seed playing an unseeded person in the U.S. Open final. What mm. does that tell you? Yeah, um, and then. <coughs> You know, that would never happen in the men. I mean, if you even just look at the number of different <laughs> champions we've had over yeah. the last few years, you know, players like, uh, like Kavita, I said, Stoza, for fuck's sake, yeah. um, Bart- Bartley. There's, you know, a lot of these no-name players can actually go really, really deep yeah. into these um, events. You, well, you've I, got a, thir- a 33-year-old who's won the US Open in a first final. Yeah. You know, 33, that wouldn't happen in the men's. You wouldn't see unseated blokes in the quarters in the men's no. these days, really. Yeah, that's right. Um, so I think, yeah. Props. Yeah, kudos to you, my friend. Well played, sir. So there it is. The year of my birth. Episode done and dusted. So uh, join yeah. us next time when we'll be... <laughs> Doing something doing else. the year of my first tooth or something like that. Let's not get into other firsts that could get a bit shady. Uh, <laughs> Where have we been anything but shady here? Yes. So yeah. uh, I guess uh, without further ado, it's... I think we will just say that one of us will probably be uh, successfully supporting the Premiership team this year. But outside of that, yeah, for now I'll just go with Old Faithful and Later Skaters. Later Horsen.